Hello and welcome back to the Watchman Watchers. Thank and you. I am back. So if you noticed last week, I wasn't here. Mm. I was in the process of uh, emigrating to Australia, Gareth. Welcome. I have emigrated. Or as I say here in Australia, welcome. Oh, good. Yeah. Good day. Good day indeed. I want to say thanks to John for covering me, uh, covering for me last week whilst I was uh, embarking on this journey mm-hmm. across the world. He did a great job. Did a very good job. Unfortunately, he's not here today. So much like our Silk Spectre in this episode, we'll be like imagining that we're talking into a phone that sends a message mm-hmm. to John. Okay. Right. Yeah. So John's and Doctor Manhattan technically is is his real human name was John. So in okay. a way. So you're saying John is the Dr. Manhattan of this podcast. His cock is not as big as that dildo. Nor is blue. Nor is blue. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I've not seen it in, in the flesh, but... Um... Oh, flesh. Don't think it's <laughs> on flesh. <laughs> Let's leave that there. I just want to say last week, I was listening to the podcast, and I think it's fair to say the theme of the podcast mm. was <laughs> probably the buzzwords of yeah. the podcast yeah. were or was hooded justice yes um i counted must have been said in excess of 30 times during a so one hour podcast it was it was funny the first like five times yes then it went to being unfunny for yeah. the next 10. and then it became but funny then it again got funny again yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it did that did that classic yeah. maneuver good work yeah, uh, and i will agree with you i definitely think that will is hooded justice yeah can i ask though is, you can. Because I'm trying not to do much external research. Just, Correct. Not because I'm lazy. But Very, because, he is la- the, no. one of the laziest people not I've ever true. met in my life. No, well, that's not true. But <laughs> but because I have to maintain this 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 role as the Shonley of the, uh, yes. of the podcast. Maintain it. Do group. no work. Continue. Right. So I don't know. But is there much of this a buzz around the internet? Yeah. I, you know... I actually, because obviously last week I was mentally busy moving my whole life, you know, 12,000 kilometers. I'm not like, as far as my Yeah, okay. get over it. Stop mentioning it. Yes, but yeah. I didn't have time to look at any research because you guys were doing the podcast. I actually didn't even get to watch the episode until about, you know, three or four days after it aired. Mm. So uh, I listened to you guys straight away after. And then I went and did a bit of like looking around. Yeah, there are some decent hooded justice theories around and around will it seems to be that is the consensus on the internet and definitely read it um of course listeners let us know what you think you can email us at fancriticalpodcast at gmail.com but yeah i'm all aboard the will is hooded justice train all aboard all aboard um so this episode is titled she was killed by space junk and i want to know what you thought of this episode as you have said gareth you are shownly because mm. this episode was very much centered around the return of silk specter 2 uh the character known as laurie blake in the show now you know what were your thoughts about it because you're coming at it from a, I, you know i was excited because i was like oh shit silk specter because we knew she was going to be in it mm. but i was very excited to see her and have this episode around her what were your thoughts, Gav? And please do Blueberry for any uh, listeners that don't know and explain the Blueberry system to them. Okay, well, a quick rundown on the Blueberry system. Yeah, Blueberries. Um, zero to five Blueberries is our rating system. Um, zero being the worst and mm-hmm. five being the best. Yeah. And you cannot have half a Blueberry. No, half Blueberries. Uh, so Blue works quite well for us, actually. That's true. For this, for the old uh, Watchman podcast. Yeah, Continue, sorry. Yeah. Um, Shall we rate it out of Manhattan's? Nah, because now when you say that, I'm thinking about the dildo again. So let's <laughs> let's not do that. Stick to blueberries. I I'll, I'll give my blueberry rating and then I'll explain. Um, I'm giving it I'm giving it a four bloob this episode. Um, good at good blooming. Yeah, I, another episode that I really just enjoyed the journey. That I have to say, there are moments of pure confusion and uh, and lack of certainty and yeah. Um, sometimes I really have no idea what's going on. Yeah, I can get that. I um, get that. But but in a in a way, the the way that the show is made, it, mm. it doesn't matter. Like I, it's just it's an enjoyable no. ride anyway. Yeah. Like um, this is this is one where yeah, I do want to I want to get to the destination. But you, you yeah. know me, I, I love traveling. And it's a slow it's, it's a slow ter- it's a slow journey, isn't it, Gareth? At the moment. But the journey is the thing to enjoy exactly. sometimes, and yeah. and I am enjoying it. Um, so. Yeah, another kind of beautifully crafted episode of TV, I'd say, mm. as well. Great great music. Yeah, um, sick. Some really cool scenes. Yeah. Um, I really like 
Laurie Laurie Blake. Um, mm. She's cool. She's really cool. She is um, great. Um, I'm loving this sort of darker version of her. Like The Watchmen is a very dark comic or graphic novel anyway. Mm. Source material is very dark. She always had an element of, I don't want to say hope in her, but she seemed quite optimistic. She's like, very cynical now. Super cynical now. This episode, as I said, was called She Was Killed by Space Junk. And if you did notice, uh, it's a reference to Devo's 1978 song, Space Junk, which Laurie plays upon arriving home in the opening minutes. And this is what it sounded like. notice that they didn't have obviously they don't have the internet or anything so they don't have spotify so they had this weird like cool cd changer jukebox thing mm. i was like i'm just loving this sort of old new technology vibe yeah i'm yeah. bloody loving that um we're getting quite a lot more of that this episode i i personally thought this week was a really slow episode um but it's all building something massive obviously not the dildo thing but <laughs> there's a, there's, that was that was too big. That was mental. I mean, not, I, mean I know we've talked about it a expert, lot already, but, but that blew my mind. That scene. I oh, it blew was, your mind, oh, did God it? God's sakes. Um, there is there's, there's that constant state of unease for me across this whole show, which seems to be. Like, I had it a lot in the first episode, and definitely a lot in this episode, and it sort of culminates in that funeral scene a little bit, yeah. um, where there's just something always building to something very slowly, and you don't know when it's going to go off. Yes, and I kind of like that. Uh, the return of Silk Spectre 2, talk of Night Owl 2, mm. Dr. Manhattan and getting more Ozymandias or Adrian Veidt um, is making this a really compelling watch for me as a fan of the graphic novel. And I like the way that the sh they shifted the focus to Laurie Blake this episode because Angela's obviously been the star of the show for the first two episodes um, and her sort of interacting with Hooded Justice, her grandfather. <laughs> but, you know, this dynamic now between... Who's who's the main character now? Like it, I don't know. Like, kind of feels like Angela's still the main character, but now we're kind of on sort of Lloyd Blake's side a little bit, and and it's really interesting to yeah. me to have these two um, women opposing each other, and they obviously have a lot of chemistry together on screen, and their dynamic is going to be really interesting going forward. Yeah, I, I think well because they're they're both very kind of righteous in their own way yeah. as well, but yeah. they're coming from apparently very different perspective yeah. so the collision could be massive or do they just join to do they unite i feel like they're going to unite but i feel there's going to be a little rocky road you know yeah. a couple of little head scratches on the way yeah. like, oh you what, oh, are, you, what are we like yeah. uh, i'm going to give this four blueberries nice. um <clears throat> it, it's a great episode i think this show is doing a fantastic job at the moment um it's consistently extremely well crafted uh, there's just enough mystery in it to keep everyone on tender hooks and even the graphic novel readers. And uh, I just, I'm excited for the next episode, to be honest with you, and getting more Ozymandias because I'm loving those little snippets. Uh, they're, they're an absolute highlight. I want I mean, we'll talk about it in more detail, yeah, yeah, yeah. but just, I love it. I love it so much. It's it's just such a sort of light piece of comic relief yeah. at times in an otherwise very dreary world. I, um <sighs> And yeah, we'll come on to it more later, but he's, yeah, Jeremy Irons. I'm, oh I'm loving his interpretation yeah. of the character as well. Um, so before we jump into the plot, let's have a quick little advert break. Mm -hmm. We are no one. We are everyone. And we are invisible. Yes, quick advert break here, just plugging what's going on at the Fan Critical Podcast Network. So basically, if you're listening to this for the first time, please do subscribe and review. Give us some blueberries. Give us some precious, precious five blueberries. You can also go over to Fan Critical, that is on any podcast app, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and that is where we release every single thing that we uh, that we make, Gareth. Yeah, we do. Like um, the at worst, the moment. The worst of Netflix. Well, don't bring that up. We haven't done one. Ooh. Well, that will be back. That, that will, will be back. back. Coming soon. Coming soon to a podcast player near you. Mm -hmm. um, but coming sooner, probably, is Castle Rock. Yeah, Castle Rock, which has started its uh, second season to an excellent start, I would say. Mm. But uh, if you haven't seen Castle Rock, you can check us out at Castle Rock Critical. That is a podcast on Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you name it, we're on it. That is covering Stephen King's Castle Rock. 
an amalgamation of his whole multiverse, a horror show, if you will, on Hulu. And if you haven't seen it, I definitely recommend checking it out. J.J. Abrams is executive producer, very much in the vein of Lindelof style of um, making programs basically with mystery box with sort of you know tender little threads narrative threads that just sometimes echo into nothingness and sometimes Ooh, echo this thread yeah oh, wait it's gone Ooh. nowhere sometimes they're just excellent little reveals at the end of the season so definitely check that show out uh, and i would like to say we're going to be covering dr sleep which is also uh, a Stephen King property. It's the sequel to The Shining. That will be on our Castle Rock channel and our fan critical channel starring Ewan McGregor. It has got very good reviews and we will be reviewing it very, very soon. We have a Patreon account, patreon.com forward slash fan critical. And we have some new Patreons to thank this week, Gareth. Yes, we do. We have to say, yeah, well, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much to Danielle Ricard. Uh, firstly, I want to thank you for all your support. I know you've been in contact with us a few times on feedback sections. Long-term listener. Long-term listener. Danny. So thank you very much for you know taking the plunge and sponsoring us on Patreon because we really do appreciate it. It's a very busy time for us here and any little bucks really do help us out. Also, thank you to Michael Corsi. Um, what do you want to say about Michael Gareth? I just want to say that Michael Corsi, his initials are MC, yeah. which is kind of cool. That is cool initials. And we want to thank you for your support, Michael. Uh, once again, without the support of your Patreons, it's very hard for us to operate this as a as a it's a hobby, but it's also a job in a way. And the money that you guys uh, donate, obviously you do get access to cast episodes uh, and you can chat to us more freely on the pa- Patreon platform. And there are other tiers there. You can commission a podcast and become a guest on the podcast. But your support really does mean the world to us. So thank you so much. Thank you. Now let's jump into the plot of She Was Killed by Space Junk. I guess we have ourselves a reckoning. So Gareth, let's start with the phone booth. Uh, once again, we've talked about this technology in the show being extremely interesting, futuristic, but at the same time, really shit and old. <laughs> kind of like Blade Runner, like yeah. when you watch Blade Runner now, yeah. you know, like they're still using those CT monitors or yeah. Alien, you know, it's the way that we sort of visualise science fiction in the 80s, how we visualised it then, how it would be now. A past vision of the future. Yeah. yeah, and interestingly, Gareth, I don't know if you know, but we are in the year of Blade Runner. Oh, yeah, I know, I know. Um, there's a... I actually saw this yesterday. There was a BBC article yeah. going, well, how did Blade Runner think we were going to live yeah. today? Flying cars. Flying cars. Atari oh, making a return. In a way, it has. Atari has made a return. Yeah. Like, not successfully. <laughs> not not being hologrammed on billboard, uh, you know, giant skyscrapers. Sadly not. No, no replicants. But anyway. Um, so well, I'm, I'm, That's what a replicant would say. Yeah, I'm a Series 2. Uh, very... <laughs> bad replicant uh, but what i would say is the hairs there. yeah color good um what i would say is that this this technology is cool so it looks like tulsa and i'm guessing other cities have <laughs> these phone booths nah. that sort of um that people can send messages to dr manhattan on mars i'm pretty sure it's only tulsa they've decided <laughs> just, just, oh, it's very plot convenient that she's in <laughs> yeah. tulsa and gets to use her phone yeah it's implied really that he doesn't really listen to these messages. I guess the idea of them is that they can sort of, they see him as some sort of deity or mm. godlike creature. So it's it's like them praying in a way, I guess. But Laurie, yeah, that's good. Laurie Blake, who we who we see here, um, she still uses them uh, because, and I don't know how you know about this, Gareth, or how you feel about this, but do you know about her and, and and doctor at this point did you know that they had a relationship did you know this was going to be silk specter 2 did you did you, do you and, and do you know about their relationship because obviously it's it's a very big part of the graphic novel um yes because i i mean i say i'm a shonly but i have watched the movie yeah yeah and albeit it was a while ago um yeah i i know i know who she is i know that um I know that Dr. Manhattan wasn't always a blue deity. Mm. Um, he was just a regular, regular... Regular, old, regular deity. Regular no, guy. regular man, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So yeah, I, I, I the watchmaker's son. The watchmaker's son. Yeah, John Osterman. Yep. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, learning. Yeah. Uh, so applicants learn. <laughs> like Furbies in a way. Yeah. Well, I'm very much like a Furby. Yeah. Actually, small, quite useless, good, well, don't do anything. No. You know. The, the, no. Yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> nothing like a Furby. Change my mind. Um, I do really like this. Is kind of like the equivalent of um, you know, like gangster movies how they always go to church to confess um yeah right yeah catholic church yeah yeah and it's a bit like that i reckon it's like the equivalent where because Mm. they're not doing it because they in gangster movies they're doing it as a form of therapy really yeah yeah, it's it's to to get things off their chest or they're going in to kill the priest because of whatever um but this is this is (laughs) this is like that where she was just going in and and it was it was just a, a therapy session yeah. that we got to sit in on. It feels mm. like she needs to get things off of her chest. Yeah. She needs to unload, and the way she does that is by is by talking talking to John. And by the looks of it, she might have been doing this for for, for decades well, without <laughs> hearing anything. I back. mean, because it feels like it, that's what the way it felt to me. It felt unreciprocated. It felt like Doctor Manhattan's just not interested in this. Obviously, by the end of the episode, we definitely see that differently. But right now, it felt like yeah, she's just needing to de-stress and needing to tell her ex-lover something you know quite personal in a way because it's the joke that she says it isn't really a joke. I mean, it's one of the worst jokes I've ever heard. It's not a joke. I was sitting there honestly, and it's glad that they brought it around. It was actually quite clever because, um, and we'll talk about the joke more later, but. When she started that joke and then she forgot it, I was like, has she got dementia? Is that what they're doing here? Is that kind of what they're going for? Mm-hmm. And then it was like, oh, no, it's a joke within a joke. Yeah. But it's the least funny joke I've ever I heard. Think, I think somebody needs to explain what a joke is. <laughs> she doesn't know what. Because it's... No, that is a joke in the Watchmen universe. It's so dark <laughs> and dingy. That is the best they can do. Yeah. I mean, it's a great story. It's a cool little story. I like it with a... Yeah, story. Good plot twist. Good story. But stories <laughs> and jokes are different things. Oh, classic humour from uh, from Laurie Blake there. So um, I thought we'd, we'd talk a bit more about Laurie because um, the episode does centre around her. And we'll sort of go chronologically through the episode, but it's interesting that she's taken Blake as her surname because that's to do with the comedian, and we'll come on to the comedian. Eddie Blake was the comedian who is her father, and we'll come on to that more in Comic Corner. We've got a little section about Eddie Blake, so cool. I think that'd be quite cool to talk about. But um, I'm looking forward to learning something. Yes, learn, take it all in. Um, we see that she is a FBI task force leader, and she is a leader against vigilantism, Gareth. And what she has done is vigilante. Yeah, I know we're English, but vigilante. That how we say that uh, word? Maybe it's the way I'm saying it. So okay. whatever. But she uh, she takes down Budget Batman. <laughs> Le- yeah, Mister Shadow. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know he, oh, he came up. up with that name when he was trying on the suit in Primark or wherever oh, he got it? It was cracking me up. In he he's like, I'm gonna call myself Mister Shadow. Mister Shaddy, and then someone's like, What? <laughs> what? Don't you mean Shadow? Yeah, Shadow. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's better. Um, I can't believe this guy's meant to be like Batman. He's meant to be like a Bruce Wayne sort of character. This... It, it was cracking me up. He looked about 60 under that mask. Oh. What is going on? Well, he, I mean, look, we got Budget Flash. Why did they have to go to all that ordeal to catch him? <laughs> I'm sorry, I just don't buy it. But it was cracking me up. Yeah. Um, Anti-vigilante task force. Um, it's very interesting that Laurie Blake is heading that up, considering she was one of the leading vigilantes yes. in Silk Spectre 2. Which I, I, I just, it's very interesting to me. Now, we'll come on to ulterior motives in a minute, but um, y- you and John talked about Senator Joe Keane last week, didn't you, Gareth? Yeah. What are your thoughts on Joe Keane? And yes, Joe King, yes, Joe Keane. Was... Joseph Keane, yes, say that. Joseph Keane. Not Joe Keane. Robbie Keane. No, no more Republic of Ireland footballers. Continue. Um, Michael Keane. No, no. Not, not Republic not, of Ireland. No. So. Um, all right. So I would say that Joseph Keane, I'm really suspicious of. Um, yeah. Well, obviously he's running for president. So let's be suspicious of everyone that runs for president. Fact. Yeah. If only we all had that attitude. Mm. Um, he, he comes across very well in this episode. Yeah. Um, which sort of deepens my mistrust in a way yeah um they're trying to lull you into yeah they're trying to make you think he's a good guy um 
I am, I'm, I'm confused as to what his perspective is on on vigilantism. Oh, um, his father passed the Keen Act, as we said. Yeah. So, but but that doesn't necessarily mean that he thinks it. And and I mean, he did give the masks to the police officers, exactly, which is really. Um, conflicting it's hard to reconcile mm. um i would say um he's 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 a cool character he's a good character to have and he could be um he could be somebody that that is very significant in where we go from here um well he's pulling a lot of strings at the moment because he's asked Laurie to go down to Tulsa to sort out the murder of Judd or investigate the murder of Judd mm-hmm. um because he believes it was a vigilante that did it. And if Will is hooded justice, then 100% he's nailed that on the head. Um, He says he'll release your owl or her owl from a cage if if he becomes president, if Keane becomes president. So so is Laurie doing this to release Night Owl 2, who is talked about as being incarcerated, Dan Dryberg, her former lover as well, you know? Yes. Um, Is that why she's doing all this? They had like the most on on the on the nose metaphor possible, where she's literally got an owl yeah. in a cage. Yeah, yeah. Who the owl? <laughs> yes. Yeah. What? No. Who? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I guess. I mean, she because she she wasn't she wasn't particularly interested. Then he said, "All right, I'll get your boy out of jail." It feels yeah. It feels like maybe she's doing this to get him out of jail and that's something she's always been doing and, and getting Keane to be president is a, is a way of doing that. I don't think Keane's... I think he's a slime ball. I think we're going to find out he's an absolute slime ball yeah. who does not have her or anyone else's other than his self-interest at heart. So it's going to be interesting to see where that goes. Uh, but Laurie, you know, she, she takes the job reluctantly um, and she, she heads down to Tulsa, taking a little FBI agent with her. Little dweeby. Little dweebo. Um, and, you know, they have a little chat and, you know, that's where we start getting tidbits of who she really is. And he says, like, I know who you are. Yeah. Don't, you know, <laughs> yeah. you can't be like that with me. Convenient that he went along for the audience. Yeah, very it? convenient for the audience. Mm. That was for the Shonleys. That was for people like you, Gareth. Yeah. Well, who, who didn't really know what was going on. That was right. helpful. Very helpful. She tracks down the Tulsa police who are rounding up cavalry suspects yeah. and learns that Judd's funeral is in a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting choice to have his funeral so soon mm-hmm. after the events of last week's episode. Um, she attends that funeral, Gareth, and makes contact with Angela. I don't know how like characters do this in TV shows and movies. Mm. Like, go to a funeral yeah. and try to drum up business like this this is not the time this isn't the time she just she just wants to get the job done mate i get that she's got no emotional connection to judd she's like let's just sort this out it doesn't like surely she's got a sense of empathy i don't think she does have that much empathy at the moment she seems very cold yeah very calculated which is why it's a it's a different take on her character she and this is what we're trying to understand here from a graphic novel perspective, is that she is, something has happened in this last 30 years. Obviously the loss of Dr. Manhattan, obviously the loss of Dan Dryberg, Night Owl 2, um, has affected her and she has become very cold, very calculated, um, very hell-bent on um, succeeding in her job, which seems very much against what her whole livelihood was and her mother's livelihood Mm. in the graphic novel. So it's very interesting. But she makes contact with Angela as she does so, and we have this interesting funeral scene, which looked quite cool. A cavalry member wearing a suicide vest attempts to seize Senator Joe King and... well, thoughts his, on his, this. Here's the thing. Go on. Um, you were just having a go at Joe Keane. Yeah. All right. Saying that he's got nobody else's interests. Yeah. Uh, and um, oh, he willingly gives himself up. Setup. This is a setup for me. This this felt very, uh, very much like a perfect PR stunt for him. He gets to show that he's willing to sacrifice himself for the other people there and for this, you know, for the state of 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 Oklahoma. Yeah. Um. You know, and it just felt to me like this this was one Rorschach guy on his own. It felt very suspect to me. It felt like a setup. How did he get in the tunnel? All this sort of stuff. I think Keane's behind this. But then would 
if it was all a setup, would mm. would it be a real bomb? Why would hundred percent? You needed to make it look real. Well, it could have looked real. Did it have to be hooked I up to his heart? I think this is exactly why Keen wanted Blake there. Just another reason he knew that she she would take him out. Mm. Uh, so I'm just saying, watch that Keen boy. He's a little he's a little yeah. snake. Well, if he ends yeah. up being a good guy. You can come back and tell me I was wrong, but I don't think anyone listening to this thinks Keen is, you know, as, as as smooth as he, you know, thinks he is, and he's trying to portray. I'd like to hear what people listening yes. to this think. Email us at fancriticalpodcast@gmail.com. You can get yourself into the feedback section and give us a little debate and something Keen. to talk about. Good or not, Keen on Keen? Are you Keen on Keen? That could be the subject line of the yeah. email, Gareth. Very good. good. Um, so Laurie, you know, after the guy has said. This is wired up to my to my heart, which, and I will say this, I never believe them when they say that. I'm like, how have you done that? Well, you are a regular Laurie Blake. Yeah, she takes a shot, kill shot, boom, dead. Um, tick, and then it starts tick tock, tick tock. I should the tick tock. Yeah. That starts way before and it's, yeah. it's really cool. It's That's like, the well, we've, we've praised the score of, of, of the show several times. Everyone's got their own individual theme it seems and obviously the the, the Rorschachs and, and the 7th Cavalry have that TikTok that's constantly yeah. in the background and you hear <clears throat> Laurie's theme throughout this episode which is quite interesting it's this sort of dark dreary synth the thing synthy. yeah I liked it <clears throat> yeah. um, but he actually has taken the effort to wire it to his heart Gareth and as his heart starts to slow uh, the beeping goes off intensifies and uh, Angela now takes over and decides to put Judd's corpse and crate over the body into the the hole that's been dug for his grave and body parts everywhere yeah I mean, poor judd poor he's judd. had a bad day but, i mean to be fair he is probably like some sort of mega racist so not that disheartened yeah even even mega racists oh come on mate I don't know if he any- looks like the leader of some sort of Ku Klux Klan. I don't know if anybody deserves his to be- corpse is allowed to be used as some sort of shield. Oh, I suppose if anyone, but I'm yes. just saying. Let's in an ideal world, we're not having corpses exploding. Oh, well, it's not ideal, is it? No, it's not an ideal situation. Nah, not really an ideal situation. Um, but I like this. It was the two, um, you know, lead actresses, uh, lead female characters at this point who take the initiative, take the situation by the scruff of the neck and save everyone there, which I thought was really good. I like the fact that Laurie and Angela sort of work together here, a sign of things to come, hopefully, and I hope the opposition um, between them is going to dissipate over the coming weeks because I'd love to see these two working together. Imagine them both fighting crime as like vigilantes. Crime would stand no chance. No chance at all. Especially with our boy Licking Glass as well, if you get him involved. Did you say Licking Glass? Yeah, I meant Looking Glass, didn't I? <laughs> What's a Licking Glass? <laughs> licking Glass is not a thing that anyone should be doing. No, don't lick glass. No, Looking Glass, yeah. yes. Um, so later on, uh, Laurie confronts Angela, um, explaining that she knows about the wheelchair treads at Judd's uh, death location and the existence of a secret closet. Mm. Now, this was a very interesting confrontation because... Laurie's like power playing here. She knows that Angela was the only one in there mm-hmm. who's been to the secret cabinet. So she's taken what was ever in there. Okay. And she also knows that there was more to this story than meets the eye. And she knows that Angela knows that. So she's trying to play it in a way that's like, yeah, I know what's going on here. But then Angela's reaction at the end of it, just to pour coffee down the hole and then just do that weird thing that she did. I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Here we go. Happy. Um, but why is Angela defending Judd so much? Because what? at this point, I'm mm. just like, you're a bit ignorant here. It, I mean, you've had someone come to you said, like, there's something going on here. He's your grandfather. He's killed Judd. You've found the Ku Klux uniform behind the closet. I get that it's hard to sort of forget all those feelings of all those years of friendship and closeness between herself and Judd. But she has to be a bit more suspicious here, in my opinion. Well, I'm sure she is suspicious, but she she's not gonna like she's not gonna throw away all those years mm. of friendship. Although I will say, mm. it seems that it's only like three years of friendship. Yeah, I think when she woke up on the hospital bed after the white night, which you guys spoke about last week, yeah, that to me felt like at that point they weren't that close. No, 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 they that weren't felt at all. like their first meaningful encounter with each other. Yeah. Like. 
like he was the chief of police and she was just a police officer and then they've bonded so much over the last three years being some of the only survivors on the force yeah. they, and, and they embarked upon this vigilante police force together so yeah you're right it does seem like it's only about three years of of really close friendship mm. so it's an interesting relationship hers and Judd's and I, I, I do hope we see see more flashbacks of Judd because he was a great actor and um, I want to see I hope his character is more grey than just he was a Ku Klux Klan leader you know, he then maybe made me feel bad about using his corpse as a, as a as a sort of shield. Do you think he was the second shooter in Angela's house on the White Night? You know, I was thinking that watching that last week. Hmm. I really was thinking that. Um, and I also think that he potentially coordinated the whole attack. Mm-hmm. That is because he, he, he could have easily given all the details out of all the officers because he's the chief of police. Yep. Uh, it, I'm sure the listeners are thinking the same thing. I, I think he was heavily involved in the planning of that attack. And whether or not he was the person in the mask, unknown. But, um, you know, some people did have to survive that encounter. You know, they couldn't just wipe out the whole police force. It wouldn't That wouldn't have been a good plan. So interesting stuff. And uh, I hope we, we do hear more of it. And I hope we get more of uh, Laurie and Angela working together because that was some cool stuff at the funeral. Let's talk about... Our boy Ozymandias now. Let's let's travel somewhere, shall we? And somewhere, somewhere. Interesting, Gareth. Yes, somewhere. I'll bring, come on to that in a the minute. The rolling, gentle rolling hills of England. It does seem like the gentle, lovely rolling hills of England, which I miss very much. Um, <laughs> You've been away from them for like three days. I've been a week, so yeah. quite a long time. I'm used to my rolling hills. Now, <laughs> who wants to be Mr. Phillips? This is getting Everyone. silly now. Everyone apparently. Good job, Mr. Phillips. Now. If you don't mind, just step over into that blazing fire. Okay. Uh, it cracked me up uh, after last week, and I know you guys talked about the, the weird play thing. Yep. Um, and how he was just like to Mr. Phillips, oh, do you want to be Mr. Phillips? <laughs> As the other one carries out the charred corpse. He's like, I would be honoured, sir. I'm, I just I love it. So what's going on here, Gareth? It's an experiment with with a Phillips clone yeah. um, to no avail. And it seems that he is threading a suit out of skin, yeah. using, I'm sure, other than Mr. Phillips is for the skin, um, <laughs> oh, which is making me feel even worse about what's going on here. Yeah, I mean, Ozymandias is one fucked up guy. And we knew that from the graphic novel, but this is some weird stuff. Yeah, And then he's creating some sort of vacuum suit. Okay, so let's put this together. And then when we see... Mr. Phillips is now frozen corpse. So, you know, you can kill a Phillips anyway. You can burn him, you can skin him, and you can freeze him. Where you want. If you want a Phillips, head down to your local Phillips store today. And We have our own Phillips, actually, on this podcast. <laughs> we, we actually do yeah. have an Emma Phillips. Yeah. Um, She's less disposable. Well, <laughs> anyway, so what do you think is going on with this experiment, Gareth? And, and, and this is what I think is going to be the interesting question. Is Ozymandias in space is he on mars so you're suggesting that because you think that this suit that he's trying to make is a space suit. is a space suit so we well, can yeah and obviously not even just a space suit but mars has no atmosphere um a mars suit a mars suit mars is like minus 170 degrees centigrade on its surface i don't know look it <laughs> up maybe that's a guess right. um but uh it would make sense if he's trying to escape yeah um, is he in a sort of constructed prison by Dr. Manhattan? Oh my God. Yeah. For his crimes against humanity. Now, obviously, Dr. Manhattan uh, went along with the lie mm. of the giant alien squid. Mm. But maybe in his in his thinking, or maybe even a request from Ozymandias himself to punish himself was, was requested to be put in this prison of sorts. Yeah, I got this that impression. This artificial construct, if you will. got that impression that this was like a self-imposed yeah. imprisonment yeah. In, in some way. And but... now he's like maybe changed his mind slightly or something and it's too late, he can't do anything about it. <sighs> I I just love it. I actually love at the moment not not really having any idea what's going on. He's it's, so eccentric. It's, it's brilliant. I could just put all of these Ozymandias scenes together. Oh, I'm sure um, people will by the end of the season. It's See, just brilliant. I, yeah. I love it. Um, but, you know, in in terms of how this... Um, we know the joke, the joke that um, that Laurie tells. Yeah. The joke. Inverted yeah. Com- in inverted yeah, yeah, yeah. Commas. Terrible joke. Um, you know, it's like, 
sort of two stories or there's this story that seemingly has nothing to do with the, the other story, the other story. Yeah, yeah. and then it collides with catastrophic catastrophic events mm. um, oh sorry results at the end mm. could be similar that could be sort of foreshadowing this as well it could be a statement on this this seemingly unrelated story that exactly is gonna come and just cause havoc in, yeah in the main story um but yeah. very intriguing at the moment and, and and that is true and i know you spoke about the 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 black freighter stuff last week with john and how black freighter is this comic within a comic in the graphic novel of yeah. watchman and this to me is lindelof's take on that it is a story within a story a comic within a comic sort of thing um aussie's little snippets just feel so alien um, oh, you know, and so far removed from the main narrative that they are just a breath of fresh air and like little short films in every episode. So I, I absolutely love them. Yeah, um, I do think he's on Mars, and I think we're going to see him maybe come back down to Earth at some point during the season. And obviously, the na- the narrative threads will come together. But uh, I love it. I I thought him going to kill a bison. Oh. He, he needs the bison skin. He's quite the archer, isn't he? Well, he is arguably the smartest man. <laughs> I mean, if Dr. Manhattan, and I'm not saying Dr. Manhattan's the smartest, but he's arguably the smartest man in existence, Ozymandias. That's what we're led to believe. That's his, like, superpower. Yeah. Not only that, no one could, like, rival his combat skills. Yeah. So... so his archery yeah. skills. So even though he's, like, old here and sort of excellently played by Jeremy Irons, you kind of still... So the moment you picked up that bow, I was like, well, this is this is going to go straight through the eye or something. And lo and behold, straight it did. The eye. And then we see an interesting character, the Game Warden. Yeah. What is this guy? I was <laughs> like, I was like, okay. So there's like some sort of territory thing going on between these two <laughs> old superheroes. Yeah. I was like, what is going on? This is great. And then... <laughs> and then he... So Ozymandias is like, all right, fine, yep, you, I, I won't get the bison. Off he goes, angry, he's, yeah. he's annoyed. Yeah, um, goes to meditate and relax, I suppose. Mm. And he gets uh, gets a letter delivered, doesn't yeah, he? Crack me up. The letters. Are... Oh, yeah, forego the pleasantries, <laughs> <laughs> Miss Crookshanks. To the typewriter, Miss Crookshanks. <laughs> Dear sir, or fellow. Yeah, I was cracking oh, up. Man. I was like. You're just my favourite character at the, the moment. Just that that is just so regal British like anger. Yeah, like, I love it. When when they get angry and yet they still <laughs> refer to each other as good sir. Yours and, sincerely. Yeah. <laughs> I am glad you enjoyed Enjoy the, the tomatoes. And she said tomatoes, Toma- which annoyed that me. Was then. Bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, it would be tomatoes, because we speak correctly. Oh. Oh. Controversial. It is very controversial. You, I mean, you, know? you say vigilante. I do say so. vigilante, so. Vigilante. <laughs> vigilante. Vigilante, darling. Mm. Um, so, great stuff with Ozymandias, and I'm sure we're going to see more of that next week. I want to talk about the, the joke, the, the, the joke in, mm. in, in commas here, because I thought it'd be nice to reference what's going on. I, I, obviously, it's a through line of the episode. I didn't want to start with it. I thought it would be one of the things that we, that we, that we end on. But... Uh, you know, during this phone conversation, we hear, like you said, two jokes or basically two stories. So Laurie is telling a joke that nods towards her father, Eddie Blake, as the comedian, right? And in it, she refers to a number of key characters from the original graphic novel. So let's start with the three people at the gates of, of heaven. Uh, the owl guy is her ex-boyfriend and kind fighting partner, Dan Dryberg, who we've mentioned in this already, Night Owl 2. Um, he didn't like killing people, similar to like Batman. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just don't hurt them, you know, just knock them out or whatever. He was the nicest of, of all the heroes in The Watchmen. Uh, the smartest guy in the world is Ozymandias, Adrian mm-hmm. Veidt, who did kill millions by, and she even says, literally, yeah. teleporting a giant alien squid into New York City, <laughs> killed three million people, okay? Um, <laughs> and he had no sort of remorse about it. The third hero was Dr. Manhattan, Um a live body and a dead body contains, contains the, the name number of particles, particles. exactly was... and that's a line that dr manhattan says in the graphic novel right. it's lifted straight out of there um and it infuriated laurie um when he said it to her because it felt very emotionless very cold well, okay yeah that's the point isn't it yeah is that he 
he's transcended any sort of human or yeah he's he's gone to the next stage of evolution if you were where you distance yourself from emotion maybe you know mm. who knows um so the bricklayer that she talked about in the first joke could very well be the comedian because he is her father right so she's talking about the bricklayer's daughter uh, so that would make her the bricklayer's daughter and the punchline of the joke is you know that the brick that was thrown in the first yeah story goes and kills god now that could be that could be like her killing dr manhattan because dr manhattan is a godlike character and it was just it just oh, wasn't a funny joke I... <laughs> basically no it um like we said it's it's not a joke it's a it's a story which is fine that's absolutely fine if you're going to tell a story do that that's great mm. love stories but don't set it up as a as a joke especially if you're the daughter of the comedian yeah i was the comedian any good at telling jokes he's well <laughs> okay don't call yourself the comedian then. <laughs> call yourself the storyteller i mean eddie blake is is a very complicated character <laughs> who has a lot of dark moments and you know it can be looked at favorably in other situations but he maybe was the one of the funnier ones i mean when you put him next to dr manhattan yes he's a fucking barrel of laughs mm. so anyway I mean, well look let's let's be fair though like <laughs> any any joke that contains the line a live body and a dead body contain the same <laughs> number of particles <laughs> It's it's not gonna be a laugh a minute, is it? No, definitely not. As she leaves the the phone booth after this ridiculously long story, a car just drops right in front of her. Space junk. Space junk. Uh, and she looks up, and you see the glowing red star of Mars, or the glowing red orb of Mars, and she just starts cracking up. So, is this Doctor Manhattan throwing the brick, as it were? Oh. Uh, yeah. It is, isn't it? It's him throwing the brick. It's him I replying it was... to the joke, finally giving her something after all these years of of not. So, is it? Do you reckon it's Will's car, or not Will's car, but Angela's, Angela's car Angela's that Will car. was in? Yeah. Um. So, there's two things here. We can either read into it that it's Doctor Manhattan giving her a sign. Yeah. Or we can read into it that the car's just fallen off the magnet. <laughs> of the flying vehicle and Will's dead and it's a moment of chance now what I will say about that is and how people are always looking for signs is that is something that Lindelof loves to look at like throughout Lost throughout Leftovers it was always this idea is is this something from a higher power Mm. or is this simply chance and coincidence the Leftovers explored that so much that it was so interesting that you were constantly like well this could just be coincidence or it could also be something supernatural and literally it trod that line for three seasons and you're sitting there going how has he kept that going all that all that time mm-hmm. so obviously Laurie's looking for something it's just interesting that it's Angela's old car from from um, last week's episode that got lifted by the magnet and now just fell um, is she looking for a sign here or is this Dr. Manhattan oh, could be both <laughs> what Dr. Manhattan's like yeah just drop that from the magnet yeah <laughs> you're like one of those you're like people who are like yeah I can still be you know totally Christian because I just believe that God made evolution which is completely fair and valid obviously <laughs> just and trying to I'm just saying that like so you're just saying that like you believe that whatever happened God intended it to happen that's your output on this no it's not I I mean I, I, I actually would love the idea of it not being Dr. Manhattan yeah, at all. I think and that's just, good. And then she's just looking into it. Yeah, and... 100%. I completely would love that. Yeah. And that's what Lindelof is very good at. So uh, well done, Lindelof. Well done at keeping those leftover and lost themes going in The Watchmen. Because I didn't know how you were going to do it. And I have to say, first three episodes in, the level of mystery, the level of intrigue, the level of us questioning what is going on, characters' motivations, and you know whether something is... Um, religious or supernatural or just coincidence is great so i'm absolutely loving the conversation now gareth Mm. let's educate you more in comic corner yay hello yes welcome to comic corner usually you would hear a very sort of 
angry angry man's voice here um, i'm gonna try and sound a bit more chipper it's len your host taking over from john who is as we said we have to communicate with a phone with just like laurie on the other side of the world uh i'm taking over from him for comic corner this week gareth and i am going to be yeah. here to walk you through through a couple of uh, little comic tidbits that i picked up on interesting i'm disappointed that you didn't hand the reins over to me to do comic corner would have cracked me up Imagine. Just try reading my notes. You wouldn't even understand what all <laughs> these things mean. Um, um, the Comedian's Closet, Gareth. Now, it was very interesting that Laurie said to Angela... I'm confused. Already confused? Yeah. Yeah. Laurie said to Angela that, oh, you know, I've had someone told me to like go through someone's closet before and they had stuff hidden in there. Mm. That is talking about her father, Eddie Blake, the comedian. He's, had a, he's not had a verbal name check yet. Um, but basically... The, the closet was discovered by Rorschach in the Watchmen graphic novel, um, and it, that led him to know that, that he was actually the comedian, okay? Because obviously everyone had secret so, identities, someone was murdered, Rorschach goes and investigates, right. he goes into the closet, he finds out it was Eddie Blake, okay? Yeah. Same situation here, Angela, you know, found the badge and the hood for KKK, so it's just amusing that Laurie's using that original hidden closet thing that started the graphic novel Watchmen mm. and relating it to this I very much like that and it's something very personal to her as well okay people should stop leaving stuff in their closets then what do you mean well secret compartments yeah put it in your basement they yeah. clearly haven't heard of basements here because nobody's checking the basement do that yeah very good yeah. Uh, more squid action in this episode Gareth um, <laughs> yeah love a good squid so when uh, Looking Glass, our, one of our favourite characters, is talking mm-hmm. to Laurie, he was that's actually gonna, it's I, very subjued. This episode, Looking I think, Glass. Um, yeah, he was a little bit thrown by yeah. by, by by Laurie, wasn't by, he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He lost his cool a little bit. Yeah, get your cool back, Looking Glass. I yeah. like you know, I like your cool. Um, we see the giant squid in the in the Looking Glass pod that is, um, and he hasn't got a podcast. We're talking about the pod in which they. Uh, if he had a podcast, we're fucked. Yeah. So if he had one, if he has one, if he does start one go and listen to that yeah 100% go yeah. listen to that we will uh, definitely but yeah he had a giant squid in the background also in the first episode uh, first moments in Adrian Veidt's home we get a magnified shot of an illustrated sea creature so direct sign that the, the Vitey boy still still loves those squids yeah still makes them rain down on people probably maybe who knows uh, maybe we've talked about Dan Dryberg and the fact that he is Night Owl 2 and that he has been held in prison incarcerated for being a vigilante so this might have been Keane's father who actually incarcerated him yeah the one who passed the Keane Act uh, I really hope that we see Night Owl 2 this season but it might be something nice for a second season you know if we get a bit of Night Owl in the second season, that would be cool. Because we're kind of getting everyone reunited and it kind of would be nice to maybe save save some characters for a, for a second season, do you think, Gareth? Yeah, that's true. Um, I'd, I'd like to see him, but, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's the way they went about mm. things. Well, I, I suppose also something that ties into that is when will he ascend to the presidency, if, if he does? Um, oh, God. Like, is that going to be something that... Poor Redford. Yeah, like Redford's been in charge for how long? This guy seems so different to Nixon and Redford that I can't even fathom how different he is. He's like young mm. and not an actor, <laughs> not Redford. And he's, I just, I don't know, I just I can't buy this guy being president. But hey, who knows what's going on. Um, the Rorschach Journal, Gareth. Now we've talked about the Rorschach Journal. That was the thing that Rorschach wrote throughout the whole of the graphic novel. At the end, after he was killed, he has posted the journal to the press. Some of the press have published it. And we see excerpts of Rorschach's journal by Dweebo, who, who yeah. is our, uh, you know, overhead projector operator man. You know, we're calling him Dweebo. Yeah. He does end up sleeping with Laurie Blake. With Blako. Dweebo and Blako. Like, he's um, done all right. Um, okay, I'm going to ask you a question then. Go on. Um, obviously, the, the 7th Cavalry are kind of using Rorschach, Rorschach masks, mm. right? And a lot of his... It seems like... It seems like they're sort of partly inspired by things that he's said or written or done in yep. the past. Yeah. But Rorschach wasn't a racist was he no but they're you know taking 
it he's not alive to defend his text anymore yeah they've taken something you know this can ha- this happens throughout history with several yeah. different things people take something that someone some someone has written and used it for their own purposes mm-hmm. and that is what we're getting here we're getting a diluted chinese whispers version probably of the journal now in the ha- you know by the seventh cavalry they're taking elements of that and using it to, to fuel their propaganda their their image you know their level of hate towards the government that sort of thing okay yeah so that's what's interesting but we see two excerpts which are word for word out of the comic so that's that's pretty cool that we saw that on the little overhead projector um the police people wearing masks we've talked about all season they obviously have those yellow masks which we get a reference to in this episode again the dog trainer has a dog mask quite like that <laughs> yeah i know i know it's that. So that regular cool. policemen <laughs> seem to get like a yellow mask yeah and then if you're like a lieutenant or detective you get to make your own cool outfit yeah it's like Panda. i would want a promotion just for that yeah what would you have i have no idea i just i that would be so much fun just like oh, i finally got a promotion mm. i'm gonna kick myself out i mean sister knight's got it down i mean i'm loving that yeah, it's pretty cool. and looking glass is absolutely awesome so um it was just cool that we see you know we've seen panda he was cool and now <laughs> and now we're getting the canine trainers with a dog mask so i um, really love that you know the um I'm, i was just thinking actually when um when we're while we're on the topic of these masks mm. um laurie blake does tell a different joke a lot punchier yeah and almost funny when she says uh you know how can you tell the difference between a masked vigilante and yeah. a masked policeman yeah and she goes i don't know and she goes me neither <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's as funny as it gets. That's a snappy joke. That's as funny like, as it gets. Keep them short, Laurie. Short, sweet. You know, how long was she on the phone for? No one knows. Uh, Black Freighter. We've talked about that in this episode and how Ozymandias' sections do feel like their own take or Lindelof's own take on the Black Freighter comic from the graphic novel. Now, mm. what I will say is there is a Black Freighter in, which is where Laurie and Dweebo are staying mm. and sexing which is, uh, it's called Black Freighter Inn. No relation in any way, other shape or form, other than the fact that it's called Black Freighter. So what do you think about that, Gareth? Did you notice I, that? I, I didn't. It would be much cooler if like the beds were pirate ship shaped or something. Right, like, okay. Wouldn't that be good? There's also um, that pirate, pirate Jenny or whatever she's called, um, who's who gets out of the truck with Red mm. Scare. Mm. She's a pirate. She's a pirate. Pirates all over this. It's a pirate symbol. Um, with Ozymandias. Yeah. So pirates all over the place. Yeah, the mate. um the Lone Rangery guy. Yeah. He's yeah, he's, he's Game seal. Warden or whatever Game he's Warden. called. Yeah. yeah. Quality. Um let's talk about the dildo. What is going on there? What is what is going on there? I mean Laurie, I know it's it's been a while. she goes from and no offence to Dweebo here. Mm. She goes from giant blue dildo yeah. to Dweebo. Yeah. Dweebo can't be as good as giant blue dildo. It was glowing, Gareth. <laughs> I, I don't know if glowing is like a prerequisite. Is it, are they supposed does to glow? Your, does yours not glow? <laughs> <laughs> um, um, well, no, I mean, just not all the time. Oh, right, yeah. You press the button as well, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, you, yeah you have to... So you're a furby with otherwise. a glowing cock. Mm. Picture that. Oh, um, <laughs> biggest Christmas present this year. Um, oh, I just don't I, buy that. It just cracked me up that scene, that whole scene. I was like, "This is brilliant." I'm sorry. I, it's not that it's making me feel insecure or anything, but that's well, too is, much. Clearly. That is too much hey, for anyone. You don't tell. No one tells Laurie Blake what's too much. She does what she wants. <laughs> you go for it, Laurie. Um, you go, girl. Well, um, yeah. I said it earlier, but uh, I thought this would, you know, it was a nice little roundup. Is the fact that. Laurie quotes Dr. Manhattan's detached view on life and death. The full quote is, structurally, there's no discernible difference. Life and death are unquantifiable abstracts. Why should I be concerned? She says that when she's on the way to the funeral of Judd. So that is, that is, you know, that quote. I mean, it's morbid, isn't it? It's so morbid. It's... So detached. Very detached. But uh, I liked it. And can't uh, argue with it, though, either. Don't argue with it. She, she let her do what she wants. She's going through a tough time. Um, but yeah, that was nice. I like the way that we got quite a few little Easter eggs this week. In fact, there's probably a ton more that I've missed. John's not here, so I'm sort of winging it a bit, to be honest with you. Um, 
So, John, you know, John, you let us know your thoughts. Why don't you email in at fancriticalpodcast at gmail.com, you know? Uh, um, John, or you can uh, you can join our Patreon. John, um, you could join our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash fancritical. Um, just join it, mate. Go for it. Send us some dollar dues. Or send us a message on, on Facebook um, Messenger. Yeah. Or if you want to speak to yourself, John. On Twitter. Get on Twitter. At fancriticalpod if you want to speak to yourself. Um, but let's move on to feedback now we have had a couple uh of pieces of feedback there would have been some last week but unfortunately as i said i was on the way uh to australia and i managed the feedback gareth so if the feedback manager's out <laughs> there is no feedback. there is no feedback correct so we've got a couple pieces I want to start with uh, elizabeth who said hi len john and gaz great podcast as per usual oh, so that was nice, nice. Uh, she was laughing with us with all our cow puns that pulled out if anyone oh, can look. remember all yeah. the cow puns in episode one. Um, yeah. They were we, hilarious. We milked it, though. <laughs> Fuck off. She said it was a great episode, this this second episode, um, and the more that it attacks the racist, bigoted, right-wing faction in the US, the better it gets, in her opinion. Mm. So, yeah, very good. Uh, glad that we're going deeper into Will Reeves' character, as well as Ozymandias. Uh, biggest mysteries in the Watchmen series, I think, and I think that is fair. Will mm-hmm. Reeves and Ozymandias are definitely... The biggest I uh, think... mysteries. However, we've solved them. Hood is justice. <laughs> so, and Ozymandias is on Mars. I think the biggest mysteries yeah. in The Watchmen are that blue dildo. Yeah. And also, that cake that they keep making for Ozymandias. Oh. What is it? Oh, right. So, I've got a theory on that, Gareth. Okay. I've got a theory on the cake. Now, let me just riff on this piece of feedback for you then. Sure. So, I think... We're back to... Let's go back to the corner. Come I on, think, play the music again. I, yeah, yeah, back to the corner. I think it's an interpretation of the squid on top of the city. Oh. Purple tentacles. Now, on this, like... If you look at the panel from the graphic novel of the squid as it lands on the city, right. it looks not... To- I mean, look. It looks it's like a, like a Rorschach mask. You have to look at it <laughs> from a certain angle yeah. to sort of see what's going on. Uh-huh. But I was looking at them side by side on Reddit, and I was like, "Oh shit, that cake be that squid." So, yeah. okay. Anyway, um, let me know your thoughts, guys. Cake is it's, it's squid. Very, it's very yellow. Yeah, just, just, just have a look at it. All right, everyone, have a look at it, and then try and look at it. Now I've said it, you'll, you'll see it. Okay. Mm. Um, Caitlin had this to say, uh, and sorry you didn't put it in the feedback last week, Caitlin, as I said, feedback manager was out of town. But uh, during your Watchmen episode one review podcast, you were talking about the fact that the police didn't have access to their guns and what could have happened in the timeline. Obviously, things wouldn't have unfolded exactly the same because of the altered timeline. But in the Watchmen world, where right-wing militants have such power and influence in the wake of Rorschach's cult following, I can imagine a tragic incident like the siege at Waco Mm -hmm. or Ruby Ridge having a much larger political effect. In our timeline, Waco emboldened Timothy McVeigh to commit mass murder slash terrorism. Imagine a world where people like him, instead of being on the fringes of society, had political power. I imagine under pressure from a powerful right wing, having strict firearm limits set on police as a political response to a Waco type event would be very plausible. Mm -hmm. That's what came to my mind when I saw the episode. Anyway, I love the show and the other fan critical shows. Thank you very much for those lovely words, Caitlin. And a very good point. Uh, If someone um, of that way inclined did rise to power they might obviously hamstring the police in a certain way shape or form to gain the upper edge in conflicts correct Garrett? yeah um that's it's a very uh intelligent point um i i think but isn't isn't the implication at the moment that redford is actually a very left wing L- yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, leader and um yeah, very true. We're getting uh, sense that he's definitely more liberal i think i think there's just there's extreme there's extremism on 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 both ends of the political spectrum, yeah. which yeah, so I suppose Well you never know, like Judd and Keane, right you know, if Judd is who we say he is, like maybe a very sort of fascist type character who had risen to power, maybe, potentially. Mm. You know, I'm just saying if, if people like that are rising to the upper echelons of say head of police, you know, he was very reluctant to release the guns. Do you remember? Yes. And also, you know, people like Keane, who we don't know what his situation is or we think it's a slime ball but say he's that way inclined and he's rising to power then maybe he will hamstring the police it's an interesting point i like it yeah it's good i think it has legs uh ripe has this to say great job on the podcast 
Uh, he generally enjoys listening to them. The combination combination of humour, cynicism and wit within your recordings is very entertaining. Thank you very much for those kind words. He would like to suggest one small idea though, Gareth, and this is to do with your and John's podcast last week. Oh, go on. So I wasn't involved. So <laughs> let's crack on with this. Well, when reviewing American culture, like Watchmen, he says, please try to consider the differences between our two societies. In ep- and, and this is a valid point in a way. Okay, in episode on. two of the Watchmen pod, it is suggested that Regina King's response to her mentor's death, the loud exclamations and and hysterics, uh, was poor acting and unrealistic. Mm. I would suggest that we Americans often do react this way to dismay, to even the mildest of inconveniences. (laughs) 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 I'm imagining imagining John reacting to inconveniences. That's what I'm imagining. Yeah, a red light. Uh, Perhaps this would be unrealistic uh, for a Brit to react this way, but it rang true for me as an American viewer. Bottom line, I love your show. You have some excellent voices too. Very pleasing to the ear. Thank you very much. And he wishes us all the best. Thank you very much for your kind words there, Ripeye. What I would say is, Gareth, I did listen to that and I was like, hmm. Interesting that you didn't like her acting there because I actually thought it was very powerful stuff. So I guess it's just an interpretation thing potentially. But in terms of the two ways that our cultures are, uh, you know, Brits are a lot more reserved. I would say that is yeah that is okay. a, a generalisation, but true. But what what would you like to say to that? Because obviously I was on that pod last week, so I can't really comment too much on my opinion. I think it's um, an absolutely fair point and. Um, totally get what you're saying i think i don't think i don't think my issue and I'll, and i'm assuming john was similar as well is i don't think it's that the the reaction to um to judd's death was necessarily mm. poor acting like it, it, it wasn't that it was poor acting that she did that it was i can understand why she might react in that way it was actually just the the way it was done it was the acting itself that right. i found a bit strange because i i think i think ripi is right that's probably it's, it's quite an unbritish way of reacting to mm. things where you know we stiff up a lip and all that generalization um, but yes yeah and um, although yeah if you've ever seen any of us after our football teams have lost then we're oh, 100% yeah we're the worst yeah. but the the point is I, I can still, even though I, I wouldn't have thought that was a very British thing, I can still understand how, yeah, Americans might be slightly more emotional in a, mm. a stereotypical way. Remember that we have seen, we've grown up watching a lot of American oh, TV yeah. and film, and we've seen yeah. that, and we know what that is. It, it wasn't it wasn't that I was like, well, why is she reacting like mm. that? It was just genuinely, I thought, I, I don't know if I buy the way that that's happening. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, I, I thought it was very powerful stuff, but I do agree that I do think we do comment sometimes about how the British culture, how our British culture is a bit different. We always mention it in terms of language, hundred percent. But uh, I, I do think that it did feel over dramatized to me. But I kind of loved her reaction. I think it's just because I love Regina King. Maybe I'm biased, but yeah, very good point, Ripeye. And we will try and take that into more consideration going forward. Uh, there's slight differences between our. American brothers and sisters and our, you know, British brothers and British sisters. Brothers and sisters. <laughs> We're all brothers and sisters. We're all the same. It's lovely. It's lovely stuff. Um that's it for this week, Gareth. Oh. Yeah. Alright then. That's it, isn't it? Do you want to talk about something else for a bit? Yeah, well we'll go talk about something else for a bit. Maybe editing this. Um but I want to say thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, if you have enjoyed, please do review us. Please do subscribe to the Watchman Watchers on any podcast app. Um, Spotify as well uh, and also please check out our other channels Fan Critical is our main podcast network just search Fan Critical on any podcast app Castle Rock keeps going this week with episode 5 of season 2 uh, check that out Castle Rock Critical any subscriptions and reviews would be amazing and we have a Patreon as said patreon.com forward slash Fan Critical go there check it out see if you like it if do give us the dollary dues dollary dues thank you very much guys want to say thanks to Gareth for being with me today thanks mate thanks for hosting yeah no worries i'm back i'm back now i'm doing comic corner two these days it's... maybe next week we'll have all three of the minute men back together if they're the three minute men are back together next week it will be a glorious time see you guys later thank you very much and we will be watching the watchman <laughs>